Hello everybody and welcome to Brunvagoon. You will not get there on a road bike. Sorry for my voice, everybody out there, but I have the hay fever. And this is exactly the period. And this morning I decided not to take my tablets, antihistaminic tablets, because probably, I don't know, it's better for my swallowing skills, but that's another story. How is it doing out there? I am actually coming out from the longest ride of the year till now. I'm talking about 130 kilometers from the two biggest passes close by Zurich. Um, I'm talking about Pragel Pass and Clausen Pass pre-Alps, Swiss, Swiss pre-Alps. And I can tell you that because it happens on Sunday and now it's Tuesday, I'm still smashed. I probably need to level up a bit more the bar of my training because I suffered a lot and... I decided a couple of times I was taking a decision to really leave the bicycle alone and live my life without it. I was really, really, really tired. How are you dealing with that? How are you dealing with long rides in this period? And also on the other side, which one was your longest ride in this period? Just let me know, you know my contacts. So if you just go to Instagram and look for Calamaro CC or Calamarock, you can send me a message there. You can see as well some uh, of the photos in the Instagram stories. Or otherwise, you can just hello at calamaro.cc, so send me an email there. But if you go around, if you look in the description below, you're going to find all the information. Talking about information, you will find also there all, no, only one, the link that where you can subscribe to my newsletter. It's going to go out this week, later this week, if I can really mix stuff up together to make it happen hopefully i can let's see um what else nothing so much i would say these are the biggest info ah yeah just remember that this week the 30th of may i'm talking about this weekend so saturday 30th of may uh there's gonna be this kind of event amazing event and amazing experience organized by lawrence tendam that is the dirty cancelled so to ride 100 miles or 200 miles mostly on gravel by yourself or in a pair just to pair up with a dirty cancer that was cancelled for this year Oh, it was moved, I don't remember. Anyways, it's not gonna happen on the 30th of May as planned. So you can do it by yourself, just by planning maybe on Komoot your amazing ride and to have fun on that. I don't know if I'm gonna do it also because 100 miles after I was completely crazy after 130 kilometers last weekend probably is not gonna be in my hang legs. But today I'm gonna go out for a ride looking and scouting for, for some new gravel trucks today and probably i'm gonna know how my legs will sound after that talking about gravel this year it was a great year for gravel also because wahoo jumped into the game organizing and uh, putting together a team and uh, documenting everything with the frontier project the first of the part of the team that joined the challenge was Ian Boswell. Ian Boswell, that I was reading about him all around and watching videos and stuff, is an all-rounded good guy. And this year he decided to just jump out from the pro peloton and move just in a, I'd say, lighter cycling life. Not in terms of pushing stuff, but in terms of pressures. So he moved to Vermont and he started riding a bit of gravel. And he set up a lot of communication cool things, apart from being a rider liaison for 
people that are sponsored by Wahoo, and having a podcast, Breakfast with Balls. Well, I interviewed him and he's after my voice right here. Tell me what you think. I love the chat with Dian. It was really great. I can completely say that today I'm a, I'm pretty, pretty happy, for sure, as usual. I will never say nervous because I'm not. I had already a couple of chats with my guest of today and he's a lovely guy, so nothing to be nervous about. Probably I need to go directly into the presentation. So here with me today, there is Jan Boswell. I, Jan, or I, Bos, how do you prefer me to call you? Uh, whatever you prefer, Stefano. I, uh... Yeah, name's Ian Boswell. Some people call me Boz, but I uh, don't really mind what, what people choose to call me. Okay, cool. I'm going to call you Jan because, yeah, I don't know. I prefer to call you by your name instead of nickname, if it's okay for you. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Man, thanks a lot for being here on my microphone. Also, as I was saying, uh, you're kind of such an eclectic uh, character uh, around at the moment. I know that you have been, for example, at the moment, riding, uh, sorry, running, not riding, but actually when we're talking about sports, running an amazing podcast, a Wahoo podcast. Then you kicked off your new career in gravel bikes. Then actually you are now living in kind of a farm. You are a breakfast expert and a former pro cyclist. Man, congrats. You're doing a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, definitely the busiest in life I've ever been. You know, going from racing professionally on the road when you have pretty much just one one goal and one thing to do, now having uh, spinning mini plates, but yeah, keeping them all in the air and enjoying everything that I'm doing. That's great. Man, I want to start from my favorite meal of the day, that is breakfast. You have a podcast for that you're actually publishing together with Wahoo, and the name of it is Breakfast with Boss. All the time, in any beginning of the episode, you are telling a bit about what you add for breakfast. So sometimes there is, I don't know, uh, duck, egg, omelette sometimes there is toss with sourdough that your wife is preparing sourdough bread that your wife is preparing and i don't know cakes and stuff what's your favorite breakfast and how much do you love breakfast boss i breakfast is one of my favorite meals of the day yeah. i definitely have a a bit of a sweet tooth and breakfast oftentimes tend to be tend to be sweet um but my favorite breakfast i don't know it really changes um you know, we have been doing more savory breakfast, like a, you know, egg sandwich or omelet, like you said. I don't know, my favorite breakfast, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe some good, like a good waffle, like a cornmeal sourdough waffle is, has to be, has to be up there with, uh, with peanut butter, of course, because I love, I love peanut butter. Wow. The magic word, man. Peanut butter. I have to tell you that if you want to taste some good, I am sure that there in Vermont, you have amazing peanut butter. Probably you're doing it by yourself. So some homemade peanut butter. But I can tell you that the best peanut butter that I ever tried in my life, it was this year during the Atlas Mountain Race up to the mountains. There was a, a rocky desert and there was an up and down in some mountains. And I was called inside by yeah, a family of locals and they offered me the best homemade peanut butter of the world. So if you want to taste some good one, go to Morocco. It's worth it. I, uh, I was talking to Christian Meyer the other day about the Atlas race. So who knows? Maybe uh, maybe one day I'll be at that event and 
you can tell me, point me in the direction of the house with a good peanut butter. Ah, of course, of course. Or maybe I will be lucky enough to be again following the race with my podcast. And so I can actually show you directly. Stop, boss, go there, go there. If you're not going to be super <laughs> fast, because usually I follow the last one of the peloton. So, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, I just want to probably start from uh, this direction. So after a long career on the pro peloton at a certain point actually you decided to stop everything and you moved to vermont but seems like i don't know i had a talk for example last time with benedict campbell and i was reading his article on uh, the ruler magazine and also by reading around or whatever it seems like you all the time had a huge attachment you're really attached to nature itself but from going uh, camping and fishing in Oregon with your brother and while going on the other direction, exactly the tractor that you were talking about under your ruler. And then also something like this that you were talking uh, in one of your interviews in videos and stuff about now in the your new Wahoo adventure. How do you like living like this right now? You are really, really attached to nature again and how does it actually move this in the direction of gravel riding is a bit more close to nature than road cycling before tell me a bit more about this kind of field here yeah you know so i grew up in in oregon on the west coast and both my parents and brother and our family was always we were always into you know the outdoors and camping and as i started racing more on the road you know i moved to europe and lived in nice which is a big a big city. So, you know, I'd, I'd ride into the hills and out into the, you know, the forest and whatnot, but I kind of lost, or I wasn't able to do as much camping and kind of fishing and stuff that I've enjoyed doing, um, you know, when I've been back in the U S so to be able to move to Vermont and live in, uh, you know, a rural setting where we have a small farm and we have some chickens now and gardens and greenhouse. It's, uh, something that I really, and I've always wanted in my life. And, you know, thanks to my career racing on the road, I've been able to, to kind of make it happen. And I guess it was nice to always in the back of my mind, have that kind of thought ready to, to have an objective when, when racing finished. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, it is really closely tied to, to gravel because, you know, I live now in a rural setting and most of the roads are dirt and I get to finally, you know, explore all these roads that I wasn't able to to see on my road bike. So it's kind of a perfect balance of you know, the evolution of myself and the bicycle and kind of my life and kind of continuing to go after dreams, even though they're now a little bit different than trying to race in, you know, the Tour de France or the big races. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And actually, yeah, it's always good to something like pull down a bit the pressure and just enjoy what do you have around you right now. But actually, as you were saying at the beginning, you look like pretty, pretty, pretty busy in this period of your life. How does your life at the moment in Vermont look like? Yeah, it's definitely busy. Um, you know, I'm still trying to ride my bike as much as I can, um, which isn't as much as maybe I would want to, or as much as I have in, in the past, but yeah, so I'm working, um, starting in January, I took a full-time position with, with Wahoo. So I run the podcast, the breakfast with Boz podcast. I'm also, a the athlete liaison for a good number of athletes now. So just making sure that those athletes are, are well supported and, you know, making sure that we're all on the same page and that they're looked after as far as products and, you know, whether it's social media stuff. So that's been a change for me to kind of be on in a way someone else's time schedule, you know, now working 
on someone else's time schedule rather than just focusing on myself and my training. And then the rest of my free time is um, filled up with, I wouldn't say work, but um, projects around the house, you know, whether it's the greenhouse or now it's springtime. So mowing and got to build a little chicken tractor for the chickens to live in once it's, once they get big enough to go outside. So we're always, always moving forward. Um, my wife and I also spend a lot of time in the kitchen cooking. You know, it seems like every meal we cook, we're already talking about what we're going to cook for the next meal. So we wow. do spend a lot of time in the kitchen cooking. Yeah. In the Italian way. I thought that actually we were the only ones talking about food also during your meal, but actually there is somebody else doing this and then super happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even this morning we made some, we made a juice last night and then used the carrots from the, from the juice, the pulp to make some breakfast muffins. And then as we were wow. cooking those in the oven, we already made a, a quiche for, for dinner tonight. So we're already always planning ahead. <laughs> but you have, uh, so are you eating all this food by yourself or do you often guess at your place? Um, we do have guests at our place. So we have at our house here, we have a, a bed and breakfast as well. It's been closed okay. right now because of the current situation. But um, yeah, we enjoy having guests in and kind of sharing our food. And we try to make a lot of things here by ourselves, you know, maple syrup and jams and, you know, fruits and vegetables from our garden. So we, we enjoy sharing kind of what we grow and what we produce with, with others, but we love hosting, but the last uh, couple months of, we haven't had any, any guests. So I've been um, getting my fair share of big meals. Okay. That's good. That's good. Are you training also in this period? So you're on the bike. Can you, are you able to, to go outside riding? Yeah. So here in the U S and Vermont, we're still able to ride outside. Okay. Um, the weather hasn't been ideal the last couple of weeks, but I've still been riding and on the weekends now, you know, I've kind of transitioned a bit to a weekend warrior. You know, I spend a lot of time during the week um, inside on my, on my kicker bike. So I'll, you know, jump on for maybe an hour in the morning before work. And then if I can sneak out for a lunch ride once in a while, I'll do that. But most of my kind of bigger, longer, hard rides come on, come on the weekend. So it's, yeah, I'm always looking forward to, uh, to Friday afternoon when I can put down my, computer and get out on my bike finally yeah uh, <laughs> um so we talked about all your tasks and stuff that you're taking care of but actually i forgot to mention something i heard i listen also to the cycling podcast and seems like you're gonna be on this spin-off of it the explore you're gonna be really often a guest of the podcast and into the first episode i think I heard about your amazing kind of cycling audio postcards with your interview and your ride together with your friends. As I remember, it was his name was Fritz. And it seems like there is a bit of a community there in uh, where you live in Vermont uh, of cycling. How does it look like? The, um, I'm talking about the community uh, of cyclists in Vermont. Is more gravel, more mountain bikes, more road? competitive yeah. or relaxed how does it look like yeah so where i live it's um it's pretty rural there's so i only live about 30 minutes away from the kingdom trails which are probably some of the the more popular mountain biking trails on the east coast of the u.s wow um so there's a lot of mountain bikers here um i'd actually don't have a mountain bike but mm -hmm. there's quite a few there's quite i mean gravel riding in the state of vermont is extremely popular and this was you know kind of very popular even before kind of the new age of you know gravel racing was you know kind of coined and became a, a thing just because there's so many dirt roads here so there's a lot of people that ride bikes 
it's not an extremely competitive community. You know, there's definitely little pockets, you know, Ted King, who's, you know, one dirty Kanza lives um, about like an hour away. And there's some other people a bit south of me that, you know, kind of race bikes, but there's a huge cycling community, but it's not, I would say it's very much a people who want to go out and have fun and just ride bikes and explore. So there's a lot of people, you know, doing bike touring and just weekend rides, but there's not a whole lot of road racing. Um, but there is a ton of, of gravel events, which are, you know, a lot of them are catered towards more fun and socialization rather than competitiveness, which is great. You know, for myself, it's nice that, um, you know, I can go to these events and not have to pin a number on and be expected to, to be at the front every time. Yeah, because uh, I don't know, how do the community see you there? So they are really well welcoming and actually they appreciate that you like as well, of course, to push a bit, but as well just to, to chill and to explore a bit more the surrounding or when you're riding in a group in these events or with the friends and team that you actually team, I mean, in brackets, uh, that you build up together in the community, that you build up together, they all expect for you, I don't know, to pull the bunch or to push super hard or stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. When I first moved here, I think people were a little bit intimidated. Um, so people were maybe afraid to ride with me because they thought I, you know, professional riders only ride hard and, you know, race up every climb. But the truth is that, you know, more so than um, just riding by myself, I really enjoy riding with people. So I've mm -hmm. made a, a good connection with community, like the community of riders here and have a good group of people to ride with. And, you know, it's, it's a big community, but at the same time, it's pretty closely, you know, tied together. So it's, it's nice, you know, meet people and, you know, ride with people who are, like I said, my friend, um, my friend Fritz, you know, he turned 60 years old this year and he's my, my number one riding partner. And he's, you know, he's benefited from me moving here because he gets to train with me and I've benefited, you know, being able to ask him all sorts of questions about living in this area. And he used to be a dairy farmer. So it's, I'm always asking him questions. We trade, we trade knowledge. I tell him about training and nutrition and he tells me about about farming. Wow. So you have really your guide there now, something like somebody who is teaching you what's the best thing to eat, what's the best stop that you can make to have the amazing coffee, and which one is the best situation where you can ride and turn on the left side instead of the right side where there's the classic road. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's nice to, and he also knows all the, he knows some of the roads and he's always exploring, you know, maps and trying to find the the most crazy roads. Sometimes they're too crazy for me. And every time I ride with him, I know that I'm going to have to wash my bike afterwards because he always finds the, the muddy roads. Okay. But how does it look like actually the gravel there is a bit more single track or a bit more wash roads or a bit more normal gravel rides? Um, you know, the roads here are actually most of them. So 70% of all the roads in the state are not paved. So oh, wow. there's a ton of dirt roads. Okay. So I wouldn't say most of the roads are really nice gravel. I mean, it's almost better than pavement. It's pretty hard pack and they, they maintain them really well. Oh, wow. Um, but then on the side of that, we have like the class four roads, which are the roads that are unmaintained that look more like a, a Jeep road. You know, they have maybe two kind of single tracks on the side, but you know, they might be rocky and they don't, they're not smooth. So those are the roads that, um, you know, you can find once in a while, but sometimes in the spring, they're still a little bit muddy. And, you know, maybe sometimes you come across a, a tree that's fallen or a big puddle. But those are those are fun to uh, explore, and they take you definitely off the beaten path. But most of the time, I'm on the the dirt roads that are in in nice condition. Yeah, that's. I don't know if this looks like so. Okay, for the lazy Stefano, this sounds like great paradise. 
because it seems like, okay, you're just going in roads where there are not so many cars, they are well-maintained, and you can go, I really like anyway, something like unpaved climbs, and probably you will find something like this. But for the, let's say, a bit more the wild Stefano, this sounds like a bit, I don't want to say boring, but I would say probably comfortable, let's put it in this way, because here, when you go out here in uh, close by Zurich, all the one that people call gravel roads are actually single track. So probably they are a bit too easy for a fully mountain bike, but for sure it can be really challenging for a gravel bike. So a good mix of it would be amazing, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, the other thing we have, it's super it's super hilly here. We don't have a ton of long climbs, uh -huh. but you're kind of always going up and down. So it makes the riding really nice because you're always engaged and like, you know, the gravel's not, if you're on the main roads, they're not super technical, but it's enough. Um, you have to think enough. So you're, you know, you're paying attention. It's not like you're on a big highway and just on pavement and not have to think about anything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So you need to be on the bike. Yes, exactly. And you're always, you know, time goes really quickly because you're climbing or you're descending and, you know, there's so many roads you have to keep, you know, keep, keep an eye on your, you know, for my, for myself, it's keep an eye on my, on my map, on my computer, just so I know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah okay perfect um so i wanted to ask you ah yeah how your transition i would say transition sorry uh from road cycling to gravel uh i don't know feels for you do you feel better in this way do you feel better on riding the bike on on a gravel surface or you're still missing the road sometimes i don't know you would say okay i just really want to take my road bike and go out for a long spin um you know i still love all all kinds of cycling you know whether it's fat biking mountain biking gravel bike road bikes i like them all um but in the sense of racing i have no no regrets that i walked away from professional road racing you know, i still love to ride my road bikes and I was over in Nice in the end of February and got to ride all the roads that I trained on for so many years. And it was so fun to be back there and doing all the big climbs, Col d'Ez and Col de Madone. Wow. But uh, I don't miss the, I don't miss racing on the road, which is, which is nice. You know, I don't have any, that was one of the things I was a little bit scared of when I decided to, to step away from professional road cycling was maybe in, you know, six months I'll really be missing it, but I uh, thankfully don't miss it. And I still get to ride my bike and, you know, now have the opportunity to still ride road bikes, but also, you know, ride mixed surfaces and explore new new areas and new bikes. Yeah, that's great. I want to take all this uh, topic really quickly because I don't want to really focus all the conversation on there, but I think that probably I would love to hear uh, your idea. So the idea from you, why do you think a lot of former pros or pro themselves are really making this move from uh, the road cycling to the gravel cycling and as well the gravel racing. We can mention so many there, Peter Stettina, Chris King, Ted King, sorry, Chris yeah. King is the one of the bottom brackets. <laughs> sorry yeah. for that. Ted King, there is you, there is so many people and all the Frontier team there. Why do you think so? And how do you feel with it? Well, I think it's an opportunity for a lot of riders to continue riding their bike in a really positive and kind of a new way. You know, I think... For example, you know, Ted King had retired from road cycling kind of before he got into gravel. Mm -hmm. You know, Pete Stetna definitely went to gravel with kind of the same focus as he had with road racing. And I think that's one of the cool things about gravel riding is that it's really inclusive, that anyone can anyone can join and that you can kind of go about making your career 
however you choose, you know, so you can race and, you know, be super competitive, but you also can join it and, you know, kind of change your, your lifestyle as a professional athlete and still be focused, but maybe have more balance off the bike. Um, it's changing, you know, every year gravel racing is becoming more, more focused and more serious. Um, but there's still a huge part of the the gravel community that allows you to, to just ride your bike and meet new people. And for a lot of us, you know, myself, Ted, Pete, you know, it's, it's in many ways, it's kind of like a new, a new chapter in our cycling career. And we're discovering almost discovering our bike again and the joy we have of, of getting out and riding it. And what do you think? Do you think that Pete Stettina is going to really ruin the gravel as it is at the moment? That's what he says, right? Uh, I think it's, you know, it's a bit of a, <laughs> it's a bit of a joke, but you know, he's definitely changing gravel. He's definitely making it, you know, more competitive. Um, but that's, you know, that's fine. Everyone can, you know, gravel is kind of a, an area of cycling that's not been defined yet. And there's no, there's no rules. There's no, you know, the culture is very open to, to all people come in and, you know, Pete's, if he wants to race and win, then that's his, that's his motivation. And other people have different motivations. And I think, you know, the most important thing is that we're all, we're all out there riding bikes together, whether it's, you know, riding at, you know, 30 K an hour or riding at 15 K an hour, we're all out riding bikes and i think that's what's most important yeah i remember that i was having this conversation with uh, lelan from uh, the the dirty cancer and the point is really this one something like gravel is not only a cycling so a cycling surface let's put it in this way this way but is a bit more something like an attitude or a way of seeing cycling and which one is this way in my opinion is that you have to explore you can explore whatever you're going to explore yourself you're going to explore your road you're going to explore new ways to making cycling happen you're going to explore new coffee stop or stuff like this and that's exactly the cool way and that's exactly how you are gonna you are describing it so something like still there's nothing defined there so people in this community are really the pioneers of the fine or maybe not to keep it so as broad as possible yeah when i think in in many ways gravel riding and you look at some of the big events you know the, the atlas ride like you were talking about or even something like dirty kanza you know for a lot of people whether you're fighting for the win or whether you're fighting for just to finish you know i think one thing that gravel riding allows so many people to do is to really challenge themselves yeah and in many senses it's almost a race or a challenge against yourself rather than against the opponents and the, you know the other riders and i think you know the ultimate day on a gravel bike is you know a day you get back and you had a great day and you pick the right equipment and you finish and you you know just had a really good day out on the bike and if you win that's great but if you you know your goal was just to finish then that's you know setting a challenge for yourself that you know riding 200 miles in one day is is a long ride so i think it you know allows so many people to to set a challenge for themselves that you know really pushes them yeah, on the other side, another thing that I see, so you were describing really a good gravel day. So you meant, you meant okay, you select, you choose your right kit, your right bicycle, your right equipment, and you went through 200 miles. On the other side, an amazing gravel ride for me is also go out, getting lost, come back home, completely smashed with a couple of flat tires, but being, I don't know, lear while learning something inside you or getting to explore a new a new road or finding a new way that you didn't know before or finding a new cafe that you didn't know before or having a good shot with some somebody of your community somebody of your team that's an amazing thing as well this is also gravel yeah i exactly you know the other day i went out for like a 160 kilometer ride i'd planned out and i think after maybe 70k i got a flat tire and i had tubeless tires and 
I thought, oh man, maybe I'll just put a tube in and I'll just go home because, you know, when I was racing road, your training is so specific and, you know, something like that can really disrupt your kind of your mentality. If you're in the middle of a hard ride and something goes wrong, you maybe get discouraged. But with kind of the change of my, you know, mentality with gravel, it was like, hey, you know what, I'm going to, you know, try and fix this. I'm going to learn how to use my, my tire plugs. I'm going to, you know, learn something here and I'm going to keep riding because, you know, I came out to, to do this ride and I'm going to finish finish the whole loop not just it's not just about getting a workout in or just about doing an interval it's about the exploration and on that ride you know I learned how to to use tire plugs that I've been carrying around and hadn't yet to use so it was uh, an experience that I, I gained that I wouldn't have other otherwise had yeah it makes a lot of sense and I really love this this kind of attitude getting to know something new in a, in any yeah, in every pedal stroke, I would say. I was thinking about in any ride. No, in any pedal stroke and in any really turn that you are taking. That's really an amazing part of Grava that I really like, of the attitude of Grava. You can do the same thing on the road if you want, I think. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and I think, you know, if anything, kind of joining this gravel community has changed the way I ride all my bikes, you know, to be able to realize, okay, this is a nice view. I'm going to, you know, stop and, and take a picture. Or I'm going to stop and get a coffee or, you know, change kind of the the style of riding where you're still doing you know long and fun rides but maybe you you know stop a little bit more and really enjoy being out there perfect perfect talking about stopping and rides and day on the bike or whatever do you have already your favorite i call it backyard ride backdoor ride do you have already one there or or you're still exploring or you don't want to have one the easy one where you say okay i'm gonna be out a couple of hours just so i want to be on the bike um i don't really have one loop that i i do all the time but i do have a couple places that i like to go and some favorite roads that i'll incorporate into different rides but now that it's almost well it's becoming summertime there's a place about maybe 30 kilometers kind of north of us that sells maple creamy which is like an ice cream with maple syrup oh wow and uh (laughs) this is a big stop for me in summertime rather than, you know, packing food in my pocket, I'll make a loop and I'll stop there after a couple hours and, and get a little ice cream. And so, uh, yeah, I'm happy that it's, the temperatures are warming up and that they'll be open soon. So I can get back to my, uh, it's not a coffee stop. It's an ice cream stop, but it's, uh, something that I really enjoy doing in the summertime. You know what? So I don't know. I heard it from different people there, but the cool thing that I heard from uh, a friend of mine is I don't really know why jerseys have pockets. It's okay to bring your phone with you, but everything related to food stop or to coffee stop or to water stop should be spontaneous instead of eating only bars or stuff. And that's exactly the thing that you are saying, right? Instead of packing your jersey with a lot of bars, nutrition stuff, or maybe stuff that you're preparing at home yourself, it's just a little treat that you know that it's going to be there and it's going to be a good reward in the middle of your ride. Yeah, definitely. You know, and there's still times when I, you know, I'm going out for a ride and I only have you know, two hours or three hours. So maybe I'll, you know, I'll put a, a bar in my pocket or banana or something. Um, you know, I'll put some, some mix in my bottle, but there's definitely rides, you know, specific rides when I know, okay, today's like a, an adventure ride. I'm not going to bring anything. I'll bring a couple of dollars and I'll stop along the way and, and explore something new, whether it's a little cafe or a bakery or, you know, ice cream shop and, you know, making something like that a destination for a ride is something that I really enjoy. And my wife, you know, she rides her bike a little bit, but she is really motivated to ride by going somewhere on a ride rather than just going for a loop and coming back and not stopping. She's more um, kind of taught me to like make a ride, add a, you know, a purpose to a ride, you know, go ride to see someone or go ride to 
to eat something or taste something or pick something up. And, you know, in many ways, that's, that's kind of new to me, that whole concept of, you know, going to ride for just pure pleasure and exploring rather than just for training. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, I just want to just to ask you another couple of small things. I know that we are tight on time. And still, on the cycling podcast, I understood, and it comes out completely also from Breakfast with Balls, that you are a pretty social person on the bike, and you said this also now, today, and that you like to engage conversation also during your rides. Which one is your classic conversation for you on the bike? For me, for example, in, let's say, let's call it in this way, even if I don't like it, zone one or zone two, you usually talk about everything. I remember long rides just talking about work or brainstorming with friends or stuff like this or food. Zone three, you usually talk about bikes and that's it. Four and above, you don't speak. Usually you are there trying to catch your breath. What about you? What do you usually like to talk about during your rides? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a good way of, of organizing your zones of training and your conversation <laughs> topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's similar for me. You know, when I'm going, you know, for example, if I haven't ridden with someone for a while and we're riding just endurance, you know, we just kind of catch up on things and, you know, whether it's the news or cycling news or talking about old stories or catching up with how people are doing. Um, but yeah, as, as it definitely, as rides get harder and, you know, maybe within a ride, we, you know, go hard up a climb or something. We definitely stop talking or you start to, you know, complain that the person's riding too hard or half wheeling you or that they've been training so much because they're so fit. But, uh, you know, there's really no topic when I'm riding that's off limits. And, you know, whether it's talking about, you know, the geography or, you know, bike equipment or, you know, again, with my friend Fritz, you know, talking about all sorts of little home projects and, you know, grass and and hay and you know i really enjoy riding with him because i just learn so much every time you know about insulation for our house it's you know our topics sometimes have nothing to do with cycling but have uh, a lot more to do with you know living where we live no that's uh, that's really great and actually i really love when you say there is no really limit on what you can talk about while you are riding and i think that once you really find somebody a group or one person or a body or whatever where with you can really talk about everything then you really understand that these are the rates the great rights because you're rare you're there you can talk about everything even if you're going hard sometimes or stuff really these three four five hours fly away without you didn't realize you without not realizing it how tough it was or whatever and you come back home with a lot of learnings. Yeah, that's, I mean, those are the best rides when you, you know, look down and you realized, oh, wow, we've already done three hours. And I feel like, you know, we have so much more to talk about. We haven't even, you know, gotten into it. So those are the best rides. And I think also when you're out biking, you tend to put down um, kind of like barriers and you become very open and, you know, conversation for myself personally becomes very easy on the bike. And, you know, the best, best conversations I have with people are on the bike because I feel like most people, kind of feel exposed and they're willing to open up and talk because you're not necessarily looking straight into someone's eye. So you're, you know, kind of just sometimes you're just talking and thinking more freely when you're out on the bike. Yeah. And another thing that I really think it's really nice and probably because we are in this time of life and age of life in this moment with a lot of digital pollution around really staying on the bike is the only moment that you can really can keep your phone in your pocket without feeling the pressure of seeing what's happening in social media what's happening in my email thinking about work on looking at the news you're there you're riding your bike you need to focus on the road you need to 
focus on listening to the other person talking. And that really, that's the thing that actually makes a bit more of focus in your mind and as well open a bit more your art. That's what I believe. Exactly. Yeah. There's no, there's very few distractions when you're on the bike. And like you said, the, you know, social pollution and digital pollution is something that, you know, it's easy to get distracted when you're at home. And it's nice for me now being, you know, busier with work and just life, you know, to, to put my phone away and, and go for a ride. Or, you know, sometimes if I'm by myself, I'll, you know, listen to a podcast or something when I'm out riding, but always trying to, to use that time for kind of personal, personal growth and kind of stepping away from everything else that's happening. Cool. I just want to ask you the last question and it's podcast related. So I've been listening to your podcast. We have been talking about it a lot of times, but uh, which one is your idea around the podcast? What do you want to, I don't know, something like to take out from the people that you are interviewing is an interviews podcast mainly. And which one is the fact that you want to provoke in your audience? So what do you want to take out from your podcast audience wise and yourself as well? Yeah, I think for myself, you know, really just sharing, sharing stories. And, you know, there's been, there's been quite a few guests on the podcast already, and now we're doing it weekly. So there's going to be a lot more guests and it really kind of changes um, from guest to guest. Um, you know, there's some guests that I've never met before, so it's more of just kind of getting to know them and learning more about them and asking them questions that I have. And there's other, you know, guests, the one I just released yesterday with um, Alex Dowsett and, and Rohan Dennis, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about time trialing and, you know, just being able to share some stories from the past. And for me, that's, you know, it's so fun to like kind of dive into the past and go back into a point in time and speak about a specific, you know, race or moment that we shared together and kind of realize that those those memories are still there and still alive. And I hope in the future to bring, to bring more guests on that, you know, we can share, share a story that maybe hasn't been told yet. That's amazing. That's amazing. Any plan cycling wise on the other side? I know that now the plans are really weird, but if you can move in US at least, do you have something special in your plans? Um, for the moment, not really though. I'm, um, now that it is becoming summertime and my wife and I love camping, I'm going to maybe wow. try to plan a, maybe a bike tour. So maybe, uh, getting some, some bags for my bike and doing a, maybe an overnight, um, bike trip. Cause it's something I've always wanted to do. And my dad did when I was younger and just having raced on the road, I never really had time to, to do it. So I'm hoping that I can, um, go for a little overnight bike pack trip and learn what that kind of culture and that community is all about and gain some more experience. And then you can get a bit of learnings also from uh, your talks are going to have around with your podcast. You were mentioning before Christian Meyer. So. Yeah, exactly. There's, uh, you know, in many ways, my, my eyes to the bike have really been open to realize that there's so much more to cycling than just professional road racing. You know, there's gravel racing, there's bike touring, there's, you know, bike pack racing, you know, there's so many different areas in cycling that I I'm new to. And it's really exciting to realize that, in many ways, my life on the bike is just beginning. Yeah, you're right. I really love this kind of yeah statement. It's true. It's everything the beginning of that. Well, Jan, thanks a lot for your time and for our talk. It was pretty, pretty inspiring. And I don't know, seems like we're talking really the same language, podcast-wise and cycling-wise at the moment. And I'm super, super happy that you are going to share this message even more than me. Thanks to your words. Yeah, thank you, Stefano. And uh, if I ever get to Switzerland, we'll have to go for a ride. Of course, of course. But uh, the, go slow. Huh? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Ciao, yeah. Have a nice day. Ciao. Actually, I can tell you that I finished up this interview looking for Sorodo waffle recipe because it seems like something amazing to eat for breakfast. 
Yes, and I really need. I was at uh, for at a dinner uh, with some close friends a couple of days ago, and they also started making their own peanut butter. So probably this is gonna be my next level. Not only pizza, as I usually do in this period, but also moving up with sourdough and waffles and homemade peanut butter would be the thing. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I did it a lot and I hope that you really will go out and try to explore a bit more instead of following only the performance in this period. Uh, by the way, another thing that I would love to talk with you people and if you want, just let me know your ideas and comments. What do you think about the new Strava direction on the hiding the boards, the leaderboards in the segments? So in this way you can, yes, for sure track your ride, but not check anymore how close you are to the KOMs or QOMs. Well, for me, it's not a big deal because I will never be in top 10 in any of the KOM. So it's fine. And uh, usually I check only my PRs and this is still doable. But I just would love to know what you think about that. I don't know, I have double mind on that for sure. It's good to support companies that are following the direction of in uh, unlocking people to do more sports. And for sure, switching on the competitive switch is a good way to do for some people. And until people are doing more activities it's better for everybody but also on the other side i've never been a fan of giving stuff for free and then cutting them out at a certain point just because you change the business model sorry for that just economic things but yeah let me know what you think hello at calamaro.cc is my email calamaro.cc on instagram is my instagram account and calamaro cycling content you're gonna find me in this way on facebook and remember to rate review and subscribe to this podcast now also on spotify they're stepping up in the game as well in a proper way in the podcast game but that's another story and remember to share it with your friends if you just liked so this weekend is gonna be a long weekend so a lot of rides just keep yourself trained and tuned for new adventure and nothing talk to you next week bye ciao